Hello, this is Pastor Nick Hood, and today I will be reading from 1 Kings chapter 9 and 1 Kings chapter 10. In chapter 9, God appears again to Solomon. In chapter 10, we read the account of the visit of the Queen of Sheba. And um, in Ethiopian um, culture, it is believed that uh, alongside with uh, the story that is accounted in chapter 10, that the Queen of Sheba, also known as the Queen of the South, visited Solomon and uh, they had a relationship and she brought spices, gold, and, uh, they had a relationship and from this relationship, a child was born named Menelik the First, and uh, when Menelik the First was uh, 18, 19 years of age, he went back. He wanted to know who his father was, so he goes to Israel. He meets uh, King Solomon. He's wearing the signet ring that Solomon had given to the Queen of Sheba. Uh, and he was wearing the signet ring uh, to introduce himself to the man he believed to be his father. And when he showed up and Solomon saw him, he didn't even need to see the ring because he looked at his face and he realized that Menelik was his child. And Menelik stayed uh, for some time with Solomon. And it is believed, again, an Ethiopian anecdotal uh, oral history that Menelik I, when he was ready to return to Ethiopia, that uh, he carried an Ark of the Covenant. Now, you know, it, some people think that the Ark that he had was a replica, and that Solomon thought that it was a rec replica of the Ark of the Covenant, but um, there were many of Solomon's uh, officials who by this time had become disgusted with uh, the decadence of Solomon in terms of, you know, he had married uh, about a thousand wives and many of them uh, represented uh, kings and countries that believed in gods other than the Yahweh, the one God of Israel and that they became really upset with Solomon. And so some of them asked Solomon if they could accompany Menelik back to Ethiopia with the, the Ark, which they portrayed as the replica Ark. But in reality, uh, many Ethiopians think that the Ark that was brought back to Ethiopia was actually the real Ark, the original Ark of Solomon. And to this day, uh, it is believed that the Ark of the Covenant that Menelik I brought back to Ethiopia is in the northern town of Aksum. And, uh, you know, I've had an opportunity to visit Aksum uh, to see where the Ark is housed. You cannot go into the facility. It is guarded 24 hours a day. Uh, but it is considered one of the most holy uh, shrines in all of Ethiopia. And so there's a long connection between Ethiopia and Israel. 
And uh, in the early days, there was a king named Lilabella. Well, let me go backwards to Axum. The Ark of the Covenant is housed in a facility that was built in the 4th century. Uh, but many people think that it dates back uh, really to the, you know, time of Solomon. And uh, it's just an amazing history. There's another uh, king of Ethiopia many years after the Queen of Sheba named Lila Bella. And he created a, uh, a spiritual uh, pilgrimage site in Ethiopia called, well, the Underground Churches. And uh, matter of fact, I think I have a picture of it, and I'm going to put it on my blog today. But uh, it's a fascinating history, and uh, you have to remember, in the first century, now we're skipping ahead many years, uh, it is Philip, who is a disciple of Jesus, who meets the Ethiopian uh, finance minister under the queen known as the Candace. Candace. And... Uh, you know, and he, it is believed that he brought the gospel of Jesus into Ethiopia. So you have two, maybe three times when the introduction of Yahweh, the God of Israel, is brought to Ethiopia. The first time, which I didn't mention, again, according to oral history, happens during the Exodus when some of the Jewish leaders uh, and Jewish people become fed up with Moses. Um, you know, in the Bible, they're referred to as grumblers. But uh, in Ethiopian culture, it's believed that some of the people became fed up with Moses and they literally, I mean, all they had to do is just keep walking. Uh, and they went south, south and east, and uh, to the land that we know now of is Ethiopia. And the Falasha Jews uh, trace their heritage all the way back to that. And then you have the uh, officials with Solomon who became upset with him, who left during the time of the, the pregnancy of the Queen of Sheba with the child that was born, Menelik I. And, uh, and, and bringing the Ark of the Covenant with them. And then you have the third time, which is uh, after the crucifixion of Jesus and the uh, baptism of the Ethiopian finance minister uh, who worked for the Candace or the, uh, the queen of Ethiopia. And he was already reading the, uh, the book of Isaiah. This is before he was baptized. And that lets you know that people in Ethiopia were already uh, reading the Bible and praising God. So uh, that's a little backstory on what we're reading today. And um, I invite you to join with me uh, in the audio reading uh, from the book of 1 Kings chapter 9, where God appears again to Solomon, and then chapter 10. And both of these chapters I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Let us begin. When Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord in the king's house, 
and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time, as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. The Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you made before me. I have consecrated this house that you have built and put my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. As for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised your father David, saying, There shall not fail you a successor on the throne of Israel. If you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, that I will cut Israel off from the land that I have given them and the house that I have consecrated for my name. I will cast out of my sight, and Israel will become a proverb and a taunt among all peoples. This house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by it will be astonished and will hiss, and they will say, Why has the Lord done such a thing to this land? and to this house. Then they will say, because they have forsaken the Lord their God, who brought their ancestors out of the land of Egypt and embraced other gods, worshiping them and serving them. Therefore the Lord has brought this disaster upon them. At the end of 20 years in which Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house, King Hiram of Tyre, having supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress, timber, and gold, as much as he desired, King Solomon gave to Hiram twenty cities in the land of Galilee. But when Hiram came from Tyre to see the cities that Solomon had given him, they did not please him. Therefore he said, What kind of cities are these that you have given me, my brother? So they are called the land of Kabul to this day. But Hiram had sent to the king 120 talents of gold. This is the account of the forced labor that King Solomon conscripted to build the house of the Lord and his own house, the Milo and the wall of Jerusalem, Hazor, Megiddo, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and captured Gezir and burned it down, had killed the Canaanites who lived in the city, and had given it as a dowry to his daughter, Solomon's wife. So Solomon rebuilt Gezir, Lower Beth Horon, Baalath, Tamar, in the wilderness within the land, as well as all of Solomon's storage cities, the cities for his chariots, the cities for his cavalry and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion, all the people who were left of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, who were not of the people of Israel, their descendants, who were still left in the land, whom the Israelites were unable to destroy completely, these Solomon conscripted for slave labor, and so they are to this day. 
But of the Israelites, Solomon made no slaves. They were the soldiers. They were his officials, his commanders, his captains, and the commanders of his chariotry and cavalry. These were the chief officers who were over Solomon's work. 550 who had charge of the people who carried on the work. But Pharaoh's daughter went up from the city of David to her own house that Solomon had built for her. Then he built the Milo. Three times a year, Solomon used to offer up burnt offerings and sacrifices of well-being on the altar that he built for the Lord, offering incense before the Lord. So he completed the house. King Solomon built a fleet of ships at Ezion Gebera, which is near Eloth, on the shore of the Red Sea, in the land of Edom. Hiram sent his servants with the fleet, sailors who were familiar with the sea, together with the servants of Solomon. They went to Ophir and imported from there 420 talents of gold, which they delivered to King Solomon. Chapter 10, The Visit of the Queen of Sheba. When the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, fame due to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices, and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. When the queen of Sheba had observed all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his valets, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. So she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your accomplishments and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. Not even half had been told me. Your wisdom and prosperity far surpassed the report that I had heard. Happy are your wives, happy are these, your servants, who continually attend you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king to execute justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, a great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again did spices come in such quantity as that which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Moreover, the fleet of Hiram, which carried gold from Ophir, brought from Ophir a great quantity of almug wood and precious stones. From the almug wood, the king made supports for the house of the Lord, and for the king's house lyres also and harps for the singers. No such almug wood has come or been seen to this day. Meanwhile, King Solomon gave to the Queen of Sheba every desire that she expressed, as well as what he gave her out of Solomon's royal bounty. Then she returned to her own land with her servants. 
the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. Besides that which came from the traders and from the business of the merchants and from all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the land, King Solomon made 200 large shields of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each large shield. He made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three minas of gold went into each shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. The king also made a great ivory throne and overlaid it with the finest gold. The throne had six steps. The top of the throne was rounded in the back, and on each side of the seat were armrests and two lions standing beside the armrests, while twelve lions were standing one on each end of a step of the six steps. Nothing like it was ever made in any kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. It was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon. For the king had a fleet of ships of Tarshish at sea, with a fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the fleet of ships of Tarshish used to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. The whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. Every one of them brought a present, objects of silver and gold, garments, weaponry, spices, horses, and mules, so much year by year. Solomon gathered together chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedars as numerous as the sycamores of the Shepleah. Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Ku, and the king's traders received them from Ku at a price. A chariot could be imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. So through the king's traders, they were exported to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Aram. So thus we've concluded the reading of the ninth and 10th chapters of 1 Kings. Uh, quite a story. So here are my questions. Number one, what are your thoughts about the commercial activity of Solomon? Let me repeat. What are your thoughts about the commercial activity of Solomon? Two, what is your impression of the visit of the Queen of Sheba? And number three, what are your thoughts about the way the wealth of Solomon appears to expand year by year all throughout his life? Any other thoughts that you might have on these two questions? I will leave you with a brief word today, a brief prayer. Let us pray. Lord, bless me with your favor. Bless me with your power. Bless me with your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
This is Pastor Nick Hood, pastor and senior minister of the Plymouth United Church of Christ, located in the heart of Detroit, the very tip-top of the medical center area of Detroit. I hope you've gotten something out of this podcast reading of 1 Kings chapters 9 and 10 from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Tomorrow, I will pick up where we stop today with chapter 11. I hope if you enjoyed it, that you will tell a friend, ask them to join you. I think some people are using these uh, podcasts and the blogs that they support as Bible studies. Uh, there were six people from Pakistan who were looking at my blog this morning. And I tell you, it's just absolutely thrilling. There are people from the Philippines. Yesterday, I had a person from Japan. And I have a feeling some people are actually using them as a Bible study. I even have a reader from Israel. And I'd be fascinated to know if that's a Christian reader or if it's a... Uh, you know, Jewish reader, maybe even an Islamic reader. But uh, I'm absolutely thrilled to be a participant in spreading the word of God. Thank you so much. God bless you. God keep you. And until tomorrow, this is Pastor Nick Hood. And remember, I am praying for you.